Welcome back to the DJ Sessions, where we feature the best DJs, producers, and industry professionals and podcasters from around the world. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and coming in from Chatham, Kent, in the UK, we have Nigel Beckles on the other end. Nigel, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I should say, how are you doing this evening, though, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as it's half past 11 here, p.m., yeah. Yeah, yeah. Normally, uh, yeah, we're, I'm on Pacific Standard Time Zone so over here on the West Coast of the United States of America doing our show and, and talking with you. Uh, you do a number of different things online. You have a couple shows, uh, one of them being the Vibes Reggae Show on Crackers Radio. Tell us about that series that you produce. Well, to be quite honest, I wasn't even looking for a, uh, a show at the time. I was actually looking, I just invested a sizable amount of money into new DJ equipment. So I bought a new DJ controller, laptop, etc. So there's a very um, well-known DJ and promo promoter down here called Ardeal. So um, I thought, let me talk to Ardeal because he knows everything that goes on in this area. Because I've only been living up here for seven and a half years. So, you know. So um, I was talking to him about um, DJing and putting on some events. And he said, well, why don't I join the station that he's with and I was like okay and uh, so he rang the manager while we were together then the manager rang me again when I got home and um, I landed a radio show but part of that is I was a presenter on Choice FM London for 10 years and uh, Choice FM was the first legal black music station in the UK mm. and you um, no, you go have ahead. You have kind of a very extensive background in DJing, starting at the age of 13 years old. That's correct. Yeah, well, how that occurred was because my father co-owned one of the first black nightclubs in the UK. It was called the Georgian Club, and the club was very near to my school. So lunch times and after school, you know, get some friends, go to the club, get an amp, turntable, some records, go back to the school, find an empty classroom, get some cardboard and make it a bit darker <laughs> and uh, I'd play the music and a friend of mine he'd take the money like 10p or whatever it was and then we we split it at the end so yeah I started off at a yeah, tender age I would say yeah I wasn't in nightclubs that early but definitely uh, started just a few years later than that at, at 16 getting in underage you know getting into the clubs underage and kind of hanging out partying and stuff um, and was there a specific vibe or a specific type of music that you gravitated to at an early age or was it was it what year was this when this was taking place well i'm not a youngster my friend i'm going to be 63 this year and i'm still going in the dj game um when i started off i it was i was more interested in reggae because that's what i was exposed to that's what you know my parents played um but then mm, several years later i was talking to a friend of mine and because I was into Lovers Rock Reggae and he said to me, you do realise, Nigel, that a lot of those Lovers Rock tracks are covers. I was like, really? So I started to explore um, the soul music and in many cases, I actually preferred the soul version than the cover version. Uh, a reggae track that's been that that's covering a soul version. For me, it has to be exceptional because I don't always do the, the original justice. And do you do you ever remember do you remember the first record that you ever purchased? Gosh. Purchased. I can't remember. 
but I know it would be a seven inch, that's for sure. <laughs> It'd be seven inch vinyl. We had a record shop in Croydon called Diamond Records and they specialized in, um, um, in reggae, black music, soul and reggae actually. So I used to go there as a teenager. There was another shop called Beano's, which was a secondhand shop. And how they made their money, they'd make their money. Someone's found a stack of Elvis albums in their attic. You know, they'd buy them for peanuts and sell them for, you know, a shed load of money. But they didn't respect the, the black music. I used to spend whole Saturdays in, in Beano's with a friend of mine called Lawrence. And because we, we were picking up great black music for pennies you know like best of my love emotions 25 pence you know it was just ridiculous well it was good for us as djs um so yeah yeah but i've i've gosh vinyl i yeah I, my collection is rather extensive put it like that do you still have the vinyls that you used as a child uh do you still have them in I still, I still, yeah i still have i still have my my collection but what i because obviously with the advent of the CD, because um, obviously back then I was walking around with crates of vinyl. So again, my friend Lawrence said, oh, this new invention called the CD recorder. I was like, oh, okay. So all my DJ music, I basically I transferred onto CD, which was time consuming. Yeah, but obviously, yeah, but it was a lot, it was a lot easier to carry around, etc. So, you know, Absolutely. And um, your radio show that goes on Crackers Radio, how often is that? What's the frequency of that show? How often do you air? Oh, it's once a week, two once hours a week? once a week, Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight GMT. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what What has been your experience being like? Was that your that wasn't your first radio experience? Was it? Oh, no, not no, no. Not, not by far. I mean, as I said, I was on Choice FM London Choice for FM. 10 years. Um, before that, I was a pirate DJ. I don't know if you'll be able to see this, but this this book you can't see it. But the book's oh. called um, "London's Pirate Pioneers," and I'm mentioning there twice because we had pirate radio here, and how pirate radio came about was basically the mainstream radio stations would not play black music unless it had entered into the pop charts. So, as a black music fan, you had Greg Edwards on a Saturday on Capital Radio, that was six till nine. Then you had David Rodigan, who was reggae, nine till midnight on Capital. And then on a Sunday, we had a station called um, Radio London and a DJ called Tony Williams. He would do a reggae show on a Sunday. And that was, as a black music fan, that was your lot. So in terms of pirate stations, I mean, there was a, a pop station called Radio Caroline, which broadcast off the coast of London, sorry, the coast of England, and I'm going back now, probably 60s. Uh, but the pirate stations that were playing the black music, they were they were land based, basically. Were these like, people with just FM transponders, like low band, low level FM yeah, transponders yeah, that we yeah, kind of set up? In, yeah, I mean FM. In, I mean, I was with a radio station pirate called TKO, and we could get from Crystal Palace. People could pick up our signal in. Brighton and that's away that's like a hundred miles oh wow okay so how pirate radio worked was basically the highest point in South London or indeed London is a place called Crystal Palace so a lot of the pirate radio operators they have their their aerials broadcasting from um, Crystal Palace 
And was this, um, when you say pirate, this is completely like in the States, we have the FCC. Is this something non-regulated transmissions going out or was this something that you can do? In totally, totally, <laughs> totally illegal. Um, totally not regulated. It's basically, it was like, um, I suppose, being in the Wild West back in your country back in the day. Yeah, I, I've so, looked into I've looked into FM trans. Was it FM or AM transmitters? FM. 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 I, I've looked into FM transmitters. You really can't get FM transmitters in the United States. You have to okay. order them through. I don't know where and nobody's watching this, so I don't know where to get these things <laughs> at all. But um, no, familiar with the, the, the technology. But I mean, because I could literally tune it to a station that would be, say, a notable station, and it could override the signal in that area for mm. however however um, powerful the transmitter was. So um, very interesting, very interesting. It reminds me of the movie, um, oh, come on, Darren, Christian Slater, Pump Up the Volume. Oh, yeah, I've heard Remember of that. that one? Yeah, yeah Christian that. Slater was a kid. He's like kind of in high school, and he runs this pirate radio station, and they're, they're trying to find out who he is, and he goes on the air and talks, and the kids go crazy in town for it, and um, kind of interesting. But um, you also do another series called Interesting Conversations with Interesting People, another podcast series. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was interviewed about my book uh, back in 2020, by a chap called Andy, and he lives in Qatar. And um, after the interview, he said, oh, Nigel, have you ever thought about podcasting? And I had a vague idea about podcasting, but I didn't really know anything about it. But I'm a, I'm a researcher by nature, so I thought, let's have a look. And I'd done some research, and I thought, well, Nigel, it can't be rocket science. A lot of people seem to be doing it. But the bottom line is, it's all audio. So it's just a question of, what type of audio you're dealing with. If you're, if you're a DJ, you're dealing with audio. If you're a radio presenter, you're dealing with audio. If you're a podcast producer, you're dealing with audio. So it's just learning, you know. So I had a look, I downloaded Audacity, free editing software, and um, went through my um, Facebook friends lists and started inviting people to be interviewed. Then about five months in, I got an email from a PR company from America and I said, oh, uh, we like your podcast. Would I be interested in interviewing some of their guests? I'm like, okay, well, who? So one of the guests they gave me was Robert Bell from Cool in the Gang. You know, and they've sold like 70 million plus albums worldwide. So I was quite happy with him. Um, so I've interviewed him. Another chap I interviewed uh, about two months ago, a guy, a guy called Ralph Roll. He's an American. Again, I got the, the Ralph from the PR company. And he's he's a professional drummer and he's worked with... Lady Gaga, Bono, Sting, Chic, uh, Nile Rogers, Aretha Franklin, Erica Badu, the list just goes on and on. So he, he was an interesting guest. But I think I've done a 203 or 4 podcasts in the last two years. But it started as a lockdown project, really, because obviously mm -hmm. we couldn't do anything, could we? Mm -hmm. So some days I was uh, like interviewing like three guests a day. Yeah, I know how that schedule goes. And I was going to yeah. ask you to live in. My next question is, how often do you produce release shows now? What's your schedule like now? What's your release schedule mm, like? I would say now I'm probably on a fortnightly schedule for my interviews. Because I've got, you know, because now I've started the radio show, so I've got to dedicate time for that. I'm working on my second books, so I have time for that. 
uh, I'm a certified relationship coach. Last year, I've done another couple of qualifications, uh, the psychology, psychology of relationship diploma and dealing with narcissism diploma. So I've done those. So yeah, I'm never bored, Darren, put it like that. <laughs> I've always got something in my inbox, trust me. You sound, you sound about as busy as I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly how it goes. And you mentioned your book just a few moments ago, mm -hmm. uh, the book titled, How to Avoid Making the Big Relationship Mistakes. Um, what's the number one thing to avoid when making a, what's, what's the number one big relationship mistake? Or do we have to read the book? Well, there's several, <laughs> but, but one of the things, well, it's a big old book. I mean, the book is just under 400 pages, but okay. effectively it's the first half of the book is about self-development. Then the second mm -hmm. part is about relationships. Cause I believe that if you don't have a good relationship with yourself, you're not going to have a good relationship with anybody else. And if you're not happy being single, you're not going to be happy with somebody either. But one of the biggest mistakes I think, and I've made it, is um, ignoring your intuition. That little voice that's there to protect you. You know, because every I know as a man, every time I've ignored my intuition, I have paid, often heavily. So that's always my number one tip. Listen to your intuition. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I have a friend of mine I was talking to today about another friend of ours. That I was talking to you saying, you know, my whole thing is that I will not ever put myself in a relationship. If I am not happy, I will let mm -hmm. my partner know. Mm -hmm. I will communicate effectively or the best of my ability to let them know. If they do not change the behavior that is making me unhappy, mm -hmm. I will walk away listening mm -hmm. to that intuition. I think that's uh, good in any relationship whether it's business or personal mm. relationship is mm. if it's not a win-win relationship for me, I mm. do not want to be in it. Mm. Uh, I, I won't even let somebody get into a win-lose relationship with me where I'm winning and they're losing. I don't, because mm. then I'm taking advantage and it's going to, they're going to end up being depressed and, and I'm the bad guy, you know, yeah. or I'm the bad person. So well, I definitely can relate to, to Yeah. But the other thing you've got to look at as well is um, your personal boundaries. Mm -hmm. So the last chapter of my first book is a whole chapter on healthy personal boundaries. Because again, you know, if your boundaries are porous or you've got poor boundaries, people can obviously take advantage. Mm -hmm. If you're lonely and desperate, people can take advantage. Yeah, absolutely. What has been the best advice you've ever been given as a, oh, I'd say as a whole, as a DJ, producer and author, What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Well, you see, there are different fields. I mean, some <laughs> some people assume that live DJing and radio presentation are the same thing. They're not the same thing. They're, to they're two totally different disciplines. Um, so I was always a very good um, live DJ because I started young, but I had to learn about radio. Um, so in terms of when I got interested in radio, the best advice I was given by the program controller at the time, a chap called Vince Herbert, I said to him, how could I become a better radio presenter? He said, practice reading aloud. And that's it. Because when you look at professional radio, 90, 95% of it is all pre-planned. The art of radio is, is to make it sound natural, but everything's planned out in advance. That's the art of, of radio. The other thing about radio is obviously you've, you've got no crowd to feed off. It's just you are mic and a mixer. Whereas when you're like playing out, like I, I had an event just um, last Saturday. And it, it went very well, very, very busy. And that was a reunion. And the reason I organized that, it wasn't a money-making thing. I just got fed up of meeting friends at funerals. 
and I, I, met a, met, I went to a funeral last September and I said to my friends, I said, look, I like meeting you, but not at funerals. I'm getting tired of this now because it's kind of bittersweet because you're happy to see your friends, but you've obviously lost a friend. So, so yeah, so I had that last Saturday in um, Streatham, London. So that went well. Um, in terms of um, DJing, live DJing, as a DJ, you need to learn how to read the room because you don't want to clear the dance floor. Your job as a <laughs> DJ is to keep the dance floor going. So uh, there's that part. There's the radio part. In terms of becoming an author, well, that was a little bit of a journey. But luckily for me, I found a very good editor because there were things I didn't know about publishing and things like that. <laughs> So um, I know I say to people, if you don't know, ask. And I say to people, Google is Google is your friend. You know, if you don't, I mean, I'd spend the you know I spend a good time, a bulk of my time, I'm researching because my book is based on research. Mm -hmm. It's got a psychology based book. So, and I suppose it's a little. I do wear different hats, but I enjoy what I do. You know, it's, it's, it's all good. And where would be the best place for people to find out information about you and, and the podcast and the radio show? Where would be the best place for that people to the go? The best place for that would be Google. Google is <laughs> your friend. All you've got to do is Google author Nigel Beckles, which is B-E-C-K-L-E-S. That Google Nigel Beckles or Google author Nigel Beckles. You'll probably get about six pages of results. I'm easy to find online. Very easy. Awesome. Well, Nigel, thank you for coming on the DJ sessions. We'll follow up with you in the future. I'd like to hear more about the new book that you'll be coming out with in the future. Thank you for coming on the DJ sessions tonight. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. On that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. But the best place is thedjsessions.com with our exclusive mixes, live interview series, and all the news. You can also find us on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google Play, as well as Apple TV coming soon. And download our mobile app and look for us in VR. But all of it's there at thedjsessions.com. This is Darren. That's Nigel Beckles coming in from Chatham, Kent, UK for the DJ Sessions. And remember, on the DJ Sessions, the music never stops.